Welcome to Season 3 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Daniel Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 55, Lost for Words. Today, we are joined by Amy Bayo, the designer of You Think You Know Me, Flatter Me, Rabbit Rabbit, and our spotlight, Lost for Words. Also, you are the owner of Pink Tiger Games, which published all of these. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, hi. <laughs> of course. I'm glad we got to do this. It was fun meeting in person and now finally uh, talk and record in this episode. Totally. I'm so happy. That was my first time in Philly, first time going to PAX Unplugged, and I was so happy to meet you in person. Oh, yay. I hope it was a good experience then. Yeah, yeah. It was all just, it was great. I got to see so many people that I've talked to online for the past, you know, few years and yeah, and just connect in person. It was wonderful. And I always love to talk about my games and hear about what people are doing and how people are and just vibing in person is a whole other experience. You know, it's wonderful. Oh my God, for sure. So then how did you get into the gaming industry initially? Uh, well, I came up with an idea for a game one day and I never saw myself as a game designer. It was one of those lightning bolt moments that I still feel like I'm talking about someone else when I talk about it. Like it was so strange. I was just in my kitchen. I was making some food and pretty much the whole concept for you think you know me popped into my head. I was just like, oh, oh my goodness. You know, we all think we know each other so much. We make so many assumptions because of everything that we all post on social media, but there's always more to learn, even about our closest people. And we just all think we know. So what if all the cards were I know statements? Because that's cheeky. It's funny. We're coming in so confident and hot. Like, you know, I know this about you, but maybe you don't. And that's okay. Like, it's good to be curious. And so I immediately said to my son, uh, who was sitting there, nearby. And I was like, Elliot, I just came up with a game idea. And he knows me very well. And he was like, what? Like, it was an absurd thing to say. <laughs> and he said, a video game? And I said, no, a card game. And again, he was like, what? With even more veracity. <laughs> and, I was yeah. like, and I was like, I know, right? And he's like, what is it? And so I immediately explained it to him, just as I just explained it to you. I was like, they're all I know statements. And you guess how people would answer. And he was like, that sounds pretty cool. And he's like 13 at the time. And I was like, huh. So I gave it a couple of days of like trying to write it all out before I told my husband, because my husband is, you know, sort of um, works in all these creative spaces. And uh, I was excited to share it with him, but I wanted to have it really formed before I was like, what do you think? Do you think I could do this? And who should I talk to? My husband, side note, was the first um, CTO of Kickstarter. Um, the oh, first wow. and only. They've never had another chief technical officer um, after him, <laughs> technology officer, whatever. Uh, yeah. So uh, he had run multiple projects by that time. And, and so we knew a lot of people at all these different creative fields. So I came to him with my idea and I was like, do you think we know people who could, you know, help me find a manufacturer and maybe I should run a Kickstarter? And so I carried around a, a prototype of You Think You Know Me that was just handwritten cards, right? 
and I met up with my friends and I carried these cards with me and I just started playing it with whoever would play it with me and time. And again, like it was just immediate. It was really fun. It really worked. And I was like, this is so cool. And so that was in May. By August, I did the Kickstarter video and by September I was funded. <laughs> so it wow. was, and what it year was, was that? super fast. Uh, it was 2017. Okay, very so cool. The, yeah, so the game was released in early 2018, March 2018. So that was kind of a long story, but that's actually how it all started. And I just fell in love with game design, fell in love with watching people play <laughs> yeah. and and connect while playing. I just thought it was the most fantastic thing I could ever, you know, dream up. I loved it. <laughs> no, that sounds cool. Especially because like nowadays with the digital time that we're in, I know because like I've gone on dates with people where they've made assumptions about me based off my social media presence. Yes. And I'm just like, that's not me. Or I've actually asked people out before where they refused to go on a date with me because they made some kind of assumption uh, based off of photos they saw. Yeah. And so uh, it's yeah. cool that you took that idea and that's what started you off and led you uh, to eventually create the one that we're going to talk about, which is Lost for Words. So how do you yeah. play that game? So Lost for Words is a game of untranslatable feelings. It's over 300 unique words from over 70 different languages, both ancient and modern dialects. And then there are also light action like strategy cards in the deck as well. So it's a total of 350 cards. And uh, each word card has one of seven symbols on the top. And the, the goal of the game is to collect one each of those seven symbols or five of one symbol to win the game. Okay. And so then give me an example of a card. Like, give me the layout. What's on it? Is it just the word? Is it the pronunciation? Is it where it's from? Like, tell Good it to me. Question. So the each word card, like I said, has, the, has a, one of the seven symbols at the top. It's like hearts, clouds, um, stars, diamonds, lightning bolts, and moons. I think I said seven. I hope I did. Um, you did. Yeah, then, seven. Uh, and then underneath it is the word. And then underneath that is the definition. And at the bottom of the card is the source language. And I chose not to put the pronunciation or the type of word it is noun, pronoun, adjective, et cetera, because I spoke with um, a lexicographer and a linguist and things, and they were just like, don't do that because words are pronounced in different ways all over the world, and they're used different ways all over the world. So it, it wouldn't be a uniform sort of you know, thing. Oh, that's so, interesting. Okay. I like that yeah. you reached out to people, though, for it. Yeah. I mean, it was really important to me. I really, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about languages that I don't know, right, that are new to me. So that was really important to me that I get it as correct as possible. And if I didn't, uh, oh, I apologize because I did, I did give it a go, did, did give it a good try. Yeah. Um, so, and so over 70 languages too, and, and some that aren't used anymore, um, of course. And yeah, so, oh gosh, I, there's so many words that I loved there. So Lost for Words is filled with emotion words and experience words. So, okay, this is a good one. Um, I, I'm probably not going to pronounce these correctly, so please forgive me. This is a Greek word. It's okay. lalochesia, and it's the feeling of relief and satisfaction after using profanities. Oh, my <laughs> God, what? Is, I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Which is uh, very, very relatable. And um, so like how I would play that card, if I had that card in my hand and I wanted to play that card, I would put it down in front of me. It has a lightning bolt on it. So that way I played a lightning bolt and I would read the card aloud and I would give an example of when like I really felt this or, um, you know, because obviously I've experienced this. It's not a problem. Okay, I want to hear the story. Um, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't think of it. Let's think. I mean, I swear a lot. So, I mean, I do it on the regular. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you one then because last week I went to a gaming group for the first time and because I do in my day job have to work with kids and play tests, a lot of times when I want to cuss, I can't. And so I (laughs) instead use like placeholders, like fudger nutters or like shisa in like another language or I'll just like use or like – yeah, I just like – I say the weirdest things and – but I do it sometimes around adults and then they're very confused (laughs) and it was really funny. And they were trying to scale like what was worse. Like if I say fudger nutters, (laughs) is that worse than something else that I say? And so that reminded me of this. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we know. I mean, yeah, I say, I say the F word a lot just as like, Oh, you know, just like get out tension. I do it all day long. Like, and I laugh yep. at myself about it as well. So I think there's two kinds of relief that can happen from, um, uh, from that word, from that experience is it an emotional experience and the experience of just, and it, yeah, I guess it's like a relief and a release. So relatable all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another one here, I have a diamond. So, uh, this is a Croatian word. And it's spelled F-J-A-K-A. So we're going to pretend that that or pretend or assume or hope that that F is maybe silent or maybe the J is silent. So could it be Faka or Jaka? Not sure. But it's it means the sweet, relaxing, glorious feeling of doing nothing. And this is a very important one. So how I would probably play this is lately I've been so busy. It's right now it's uh, middle of December. It's the holiday season rush. I've been traveling. I have more travel coming up. I'm I'm doing markets and I'm selling my games, which are it's all very exhilarating and it's exhausting, just both. So I have to literally schedule time to do this, to do jaka, you know, just doing nothing to like recharge. And it makes me feel so much better. Even if I spend like an hour of doing just nothing, you know. So that's how I would play that word. Uh, but some cool. of my other favorite ones are, oh, I love this one. This is an Italian word, uh, mazafiato, the feeling of being so stunned and amazed by something or someone that it takes your breath away. It's beautiful. And wow. so as as you can see, like the the whole deck is filled with just, I could literally sit here for hours with you and let me just talk about words. That would make me so happy. Like, obviously I'm obsessed with words. How it all came about is I was reading some uh, some neuroscience books about how uh, stories and um, superstitions at the time when I was doing the research for Rabbit Rabbit, um, how the brain, uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, how the brain processes stories. And, how, and all of a sudden yeah. I found myself reading about how brains process words, how brains process emotion words in particular. And then I knew I had to build a game around it because what I tend to do is anything I'm obsessed with or love, I just 
run with and make a game about it. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> That's so fascinating that you just so okay, for this, you're just like words are so fun. I would make a game about words like yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, basically. I mean, and the more that I read how beneficial um, having a larger vocabulary of emotion and experience words can lead to, you know, mental health and well-being. And there's a term I'd never heard of called emodiversity. So it's the idea that we don't feel just one way all of the time. You know, we feel many ways all of the time. And if we acknowledge that and have language for it, we're better able to process all of this, better able to communicate how we're feeling to those around us who care about us or and just feel probably better about what's going on in our own bra brains and bodies, you know? And I found that UCLA had done papers about this, um, putting feelings into words, one of the papers is called. And then The Atlantic had done a bunch of articles about emodiversity and um, there have been psychology, you know, studies that uh, all about the role of emotion and and in uh, languages and you know and how it can actually help us. So uh, I I guess I was inspired for it to be therapeutic, but I don't set out for it to be therapeutic, you know, or like used in a therapy way. I just hope that when people sit down and play any of my games that there's connection, some sharing, some focused, you know, focused attention, and that people feel really seen and heard, which is the, you know, my whole goal with Pink Tiger Games. That is so cool. And so then when you have to come up with like end game stuff, I mean, I feel like that's one of the issues with party games is people mm. say it's an activity until you give it like a way to win. And so did you struggle trying to come up with a way to win? Because I know it's either seven unique symbols or five of the same. Yes. Yes. I love that you asked that because yes, I did. And you know what ended up happening is because I kept on doing all these different iterations of Lost for Words and my first two playtesters are always my husband, Andy, and our son, Elliot, who is now 18. So what we ended up doing is every time I sat down with them with my newest iteration of how to play this word game, <laughs> this emotion word game, they kept on being like, nope, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. And I was just struggling. I was like, I know it's not there yet. And finally, Elliot uh, is a big video game person. And he has this like really amazing strategic brain. He's so much fun. And he was like, what if, you know, and these action cards were like this? And he set the game design on a whole other path. And so he is my co-designer. He's my first co-designer for Pink Tiger Games. Um, and he came up with the action cards. And as we played it and and got into it, it just, it all came together. So there are a few action cards. Let's see, one, two, three. There's five of them in total. And there's about seven of each peppered into the deck. And it just gives it that little um, that little oomph, you know, to give you some light strategy. And what exactly do they do? Yeah. So um, there's one called, oh, the, my whole idea was <laughs> that the the action cards had to be a bit generous because, again, that just goes along with my ethos of what I want a game to be like. So I want it to be strategic, and but I, I can't. It can't ever be like a gotcha moment. I'm just not like that. Um, so there's two generous, which is all players discard one card from their hand and draw a new card, 
And inevitably, this ends up kind of benefiting everyone because maybe you want to get rid of one of the cards in your hands because you don't want to play it for whatever reason. You don't like the word or you can't relate to it at all or, you know, or it's too sensitive. You just don't want to talk about it. So that's one of So that's why I called it too generous. And then lost and found is draw two cards and you, of course, you can, you know, build your deck even faster if you have more cards. Um Unpack your feelings is another, and you get to discard two cards. So again, get rid of some cards. You found me is the is another one, and it's use this card in place of any symbol you need. So you can use it for any of those symbols. So maybe that will be your winning card. And uh, the last one is away with words. And for this one, you get to draw three cards. You have to play one and you get to discard the other two. So that's probably the only kind of gotcha moment. Like you, if you draw three, you have to figure out a way to play one. <laughs> yeah, but three is a decent variety. I mean, yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> and what other kinds of changes did you make when you were playtesting slash developing the game? Um, what other changes did I make when I was playtesting? Uh, you know, just words that didn't you know, work or, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, that's a hard question. I don't remember a whole lot. It was mostly, I was so in love with all of these words. It was a struggle to figure out how to pack in as much as I wanted and to make sure that I didn't lean on one language in particular let, you know, cause I, yeah, it was. There's a lot of German words that are really emotion expressive. Dutch, a lot of I forget what else. There's great Japanese ones, but like that I didn't go too heavy in in one language. So that was really important too. How did you start your research process for these words? It took about a year to to research all of the words, and I did have two people edit the cards. Um, my sister is a, um, she's not a linguist, but she's a language, big language fan. And she is, a, it was, she was an English major in college and she does editing. So I handed the deck over to her to have at it. <laughs> oh, what was the question you just asked? Tell me again. Oh, just like how you started to do that research to decide like yes. which okay, words and all that. Um, yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> so, and the, and the research was buying books. Um, I bought so many books just to um, dive into. And then I also tried to find every book and article about emotions and language and tried to, you know, find words that stuck out for me. And I, there are um, big compilations of languages um online so i was able to dig into all of those and go you know just through them all and then i tried to double and triple check the words as well so once i found one that i really liked that maybe it was more obscure i always try to find three sources that tell me about the same definition so that's always really important to me that i'm just like oh there's this word because words are all made up right i mean it, we have words in our vernacular that uh, we use for different reasons and they change from decade to decade from or from century to century, right? So it's very important that I researched um, where they came from if I could and uh, and what and how they've been used 
And they're, oh my gosh, I remember there were a few that I was like, oh, this is lovely. And then I dug deeper and it, they were terrible. The, the origins were bad. The origins were dark. The origins were slavery stuff. The origins were, you know, absolutely nothing I would ever want in my deck. So that was really interesting too. So interesting to me. Yeah. I also like, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about so many people in my life that are just also obsessed with language and how they would very much enjoy a game like this, but they'd probably spend more time just reading through the cards than they would wanting to play the game. Funny enough, like they'd use it like flashcards. Totally. Yeah. I already have seen people um, out in the world who immediately immediately say things like, I, I just want to grab the cards and see if people can guess what it means or guess what language it's from or, you know, and I'm like, yeah, do that. You know, that's beautiful. Grow for it. <laughs> and if you want to, you can also play the game and share how you've experienced these really cool words. Um, oh, and one of the words I ended up, I hadn't come across it in my research, but Eric Slauson, the designer of Monstrosity. Yeah, and Tattoo Stories. I, yeah. Um, I just adore him. And he tweeted at me and he was like, or maybe it was Facebook. I don't remember. I mean, he messaged me and he was like, the this Japanese word, which I will probably not get right. It's kushisabishi. The feeling of wanting to eat even though you're not actually hungry, but because your mouth is lonely. <laughs> and so once he told me that word, I was like, I have to look this up. And of course, it's a real word. It's amazing. So it is in the deck and it's all thanks to Eric. <laughs> well, that's so funny. He was on one of my first episodes when I first oh. started this podcast. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. We finally got to meet in Philly and hang out at one of the parties and it was just so much fun we are i definitely feel like he's a kindred spirit <laughs> oh yeah no he definitely seems to be a fan of words and drawings and all that good <laughs> stuff it's so funny and so when did you realize like hey this game is good i'm ready to like get it out there and what was your process for getting it out there uh as soon as it was as soon as i was playtesting with andy and elliot and i liked it and knew that I was feeling good about it. I had a prototype made at the same time I was researching um, artists and this was all about a year ago. And I reached out to an artist in LA. Her name is Rosalie Monegro. And I sent her, you know, a little drawing about, you know, what I thought the illustration and the words should look like. Um, and she translated what I did to just this gorgeous art that I fell in love with. Um, and my son really wanted the game to be purple. So I was like, all right, you called it. It's going to be a purple game. Lost for words. <laughs> he really wanted to be purple, which I think is really cute. And I made the the prototype after her art came in. And I surprised friends and family during the holidays last year uh, when I was traveling. And I was like, I have a new game to show you. And of course, they just thought it was going to be handwritten cards. And I hear I pop out this professional prototype and you know that I printed a print and play and and they were like what and so we got to play and I just kept on play testing and I just knew it was ready like I I saw people telling stories and connecting and enjoying themselves and I was like yeah here we are that's normally how I go with all of my games if I feel it I think I'm there and then I do a bunch of play testing and then that sort of you know puts the you know, puts the seal of approval cherry on top. I know that it's ready to go. 
Very cool. And so then how long did it take in total from like the inspiration of the game to it being published and out in the world? Mm, yeah. Well, I was doing research, I was ending the research maybe for Rabbit Rabbit when the idea came in my head. So it was a good little over a year. And then the Kickstarter for it was in February to March of 2022. And then it landed uh, in stores in November. So like it's brand new. <laughs> oh damn. So where can people find your games if they wish to buy them? Uh, you can find them online and I'm distributed through PSI. So they are, you know, anywhere that PSI sells in the hobby in market. And uh, also my games are popular and like beautiful gift shops and all kinds of places. So I'm on Amazon, uh, Uncommon Goods. Um, yeah, you can find, not everybody carries every title, but uh, you can you can probably poke around and, and find me in a, in a few places, Mox Boarding House. Um, and oh gosh, there's too many stores. There's amazing retailers out there. And that's what's funny being in distribution. I'm new to distribution as of this year is I used to have all these personal relationships with stores and I still do the ones that I have been working with for a few years now. But when you work with a distributor, I don't get like a store list anymore. So that's been really funny. Like in Philly, I was talking to a retailer and he was like, yeah, Amy, I have all your games. And I was like, ah, that's amazing. Thanks. (laughs) Like it was such a delightful thing to hear, but it's not something I know anymore. That would be really interesting, like switching from talking to these people all the time to just showing up and being like, oh, you have my games? That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a nice surprise. And I, yeah, I'm still bothering distribution to like, I'm like, give me a list. (laughs) I want to be able to follow people on social media. I want to follow the stores that carry my games and repost them. You know, it's all about community and support and, uh, you know, that's what I'm all about. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the community and all the support that I've received. And so it's tremendously important to me that I give that back. That's what I love about this community. There's not like, I don't think of like real estate agents as doing that or like any (laughs) other job category. I mean, I'm sure there are other ones that I'm just not familiar with, but um, that's been one of my favorite parts about gaming is just that community you build within playing the games or designing the games or... Yeah, or going to conventions, all of it. It's great. Yeah, there's space for everyone. And like, there are so many people still to reach that don't even realize that they would love to play all these different kinds of games. You know, it's that's what I find when I'm talking with people and I'm selling um, games, especially at lately these holiday markets that I've been at. It's so sweet. Like, people are like, oh my gosh, you know people still make games. I'm like, this is adorable. Are you serious? I was like, yeah, like 800 games a day come out, <laughs> like, you know, and people don't know it. There's still so many lovely people to um, introduce games to. Like you, there's just never, uh, the, the well is, the well is overflowing. Like, you know, there's plenty of people to reach. 
Oh my God. Yeah. It's so funny. My mom called me one night and she's like, so I went to this Friendsgiving thing and my friend's daughter apparently came over the game. This, the kid's like seven or something. And mm-hmm. so the, the friend was just like, Hey, so this is the game idea. Uh, tell it to your daughter. And then like, if it gets made, like, just give us a cut. And I'm just like, that's, and my mom's like, that, that's not how it works. It's not that easy. <laughs> and I like heard the story and I'm like, yeah, it's not how that works, but um, very cute. And then I was like, tell her to tell the kid to like do the young inventor challenge. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I was like, here, try this instead. But um, no, that's, I wish that's how easy it was. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like it's super hard. You can make a game if you want to make a game. You can make a one-off game. You can do print and play or or there's other avenues. But like if you want to put a game into the world, um, uh, it depends on what your goals are, right? How how reachable things are. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I'm a weirdo dreamer. I'm just like, oh, you can do it. (laughs) There's a way. I don't think that's weird. I mean, that's how you got where you are now. <laughs> yeah, being a weirdo. Just kidding. Being, a, I'm definitely a, a dreamer. In fact, there's a word in Lost for Words. Let's see if I can find it. Find it. Um, the word is like dartle dum do, which is so cute. Um, okay, it's got to be in here. And it's, and I think it's like daydreamer, head in the clouds person. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Um, there it is. Yeah. A daydreamer, one who lives with their head in the clouds and it's an East Anglian word or, and I just, yeah, that one is, uh, it's me. I'm a dartle dum do. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I probably am too. I have a hard time focusing <laughs> some days cause I'm just like, Ooh, what's this idea? <laughs> well, yeah, my daydreams help me come up with, um, you know, new ideas too. Oh, 100%. Inspiration yeah. can knock on any door. Yeah. For, and when I'm daydreaming, I'm more open to all kinds of silly, fun things, you know? Oh, because I'm normally, not normally, but this the other part of my personality is definitely this word. So this is a German word. It's Elkrankheit, and it's literally means hurry sickness, the feeling of always being anxious and in a rush. And I also find that very relatable because when I have my my eye, my, you know, set on something, if my, my plans, like I'm definitely a hurrier so much so that it does put me too much in that state of rush, 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 go, go, go anxious. What if it doesn't, you know, work out and, you know, it doesn't serve me. (laughs) That's why I have to have a balance of being dreamy and finding time for rest (laughs) and to do nothing. Yeah, I'm kind of really bad at that. I normally need other people to slow me down. Like my friends be like, hey, Danielle, we're going to just have a ga- like a day of games or like watching TV. And I'm like, okay, that's probably good for my health. Let's do it. That is so sweet. I don't think there's a word for when your friends do that for you. But see, you should make <laughs> one up. <laughs> I should make one up. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So then, all right. Well, then what was your favorite and your least favorite part of this journey of this design in particular? Um, least favorite was probably, probably just the frustrating bits of like, how do I highlight these words in a way that's not just, you know, guess this word, (laughs) you know, like, obviously that's a fun thing to do, um, as like a side byproduct of the game, but that's not what I wanted the game to be. So it was really important 
again, all my games are about, you know, sharing and not a requirement of sharing, right? Like you can share as much or as little as you feel comfortable. So that part is always frustrating, like finding that nice balance and, and finding a balance always with um, each of my games that is um, deeper stuff to sillier stuff. Like it has to, there has to be all kinds of things. You can't just pick up every card and be serious. You know, that would just be like, Oh, I mean, too heavy, too heavy. And that's yeah. not how life is. That's why I was talking about the emo diversity before we experience all different emotions all the time. And, um, yeah. And probably, I mean, I, I would love to say the most fun part was how much I learned about neuroscience and how our brains work in this way that we always are predicting. So we are not necessarily reacting because we're reacting. We're reacting because we're trying to predict what's going to happen in the next moment all the time. And that to me was a game changer, if you will, you know, like understanding that my reactions to things are just uh, my brain trying to predict me from, uh, and it's only logging into my own past experiences and it's always trying to keep me safe. So if I'm more open to being like, oh, maybe I don't know, or maybe I need to listen, or maybe I just need to experience whatever is happening in front of me, or maybe just because that person has that expression on their face, um, I can't, assume I know what that expression means for them. Um, Because that was another part of the research was learning that um, we've been told that like, we're all human emojis um, all over this planet. And that's just not true. There are some cultures that smile a lot. There are some that never smile. And it doesn't mean the people who never smile or barely ever smile are unhappy in any way, um, or that we should you know, look at them and predict that they are angry or sad or whatever, um, that we, if we keep ourselves in this more open place, um, and we, we can still keep ourselves safe that way too, but just being in a more open hearted, open minded, um, frame of mind. So that was the most wonderful thing. I think that for me that came out of this game and, also just learning all these wonderful words and hearing people's stories. And it's a really, really great way to get your teenagers to talk if uh, that's ever an issue for anyone. <laughs> I feel like that's an issue for just more than te- or teenagers. Yeah. Like most <laughs> yeah. people are not the best at expressing emotions or talking yeah. about things. But right. I will say I, I like those kind of conversation games. Like I have one that's out and – I know a lot of people that don't like it, though, because they feel uncomfortable or they just don't know what to say or they compare their stories to other people. Right. And like that's I totally understand it. But it's also just really fun because like I played some of those games with my family and I would have never expected to like learn that. I don't know. My dad drunkenly went across the frozen lake in a canoe (laughs) to get to the bar so he didn't have to drunk drive. And I was like, fair. Yeah, I would never have known that. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I mean, it was funny because like it's something I would have never known. Or I guess my mom dated some dude who was like, I don't know, owned some ridiculously large alcohol chain. And it was like, oh, I could have been rich had you stuck with that guy instead. (laughs) And it's like, I like those kinds of things. But it's interesting with the idea of words that we're not familiar with that kind of basing it off the 
definition because when you were reading your cards, I was starting to think of like either moments that I've felt that way or just like stories that might come up. So it's like, I think that's cool. I think it's a unique twist on how to do it while learning. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that as long as people feel some level of safety around a game table, there's something I think from also from my research that when we are given a set of rules to follow that already puts us like in a safer place for like, Oh, this, this is like what we're doing right now. And as game designers, we know this, right? Like we're, we are sitting here. These are the rules that we're all following. We're all in agreement about this. And as you go through the motions of playing whatever kind of game, and but especially a conversation or a conversational game or a social game, party game of any kind, it, yeah, you can share as much or as little as you want. I I would hate for anyone to sit down with any of my games and be like, oh, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Well, then definitely don't. Like, definitely just discard that card. You know, like, I'd rather you do that, um, it, you know, than sit there and ever, ever be uncomfortable. So that's something I encourage as well. That is good. Yeah. I mean, you never know what's going to trigger someone, but um, that's awesome. And then yeah. if you could offer one piece of advice on just like how to design these kinds of games, what would it be? Uh, for me, it's just do what you love. If you, if you follow your heart and follow your interests, you're probably going to be authentic and true to yourself and make something that you love. And, and if you need help, reach out for help. Cause if you're like me and you don't have the most, I don't, I just don't have a strategic kind of mind. So my games are all, um, very simple, but I also think that's deceptively hard because it still has to be interesting, but be simple, be easy to learn and quick to learn. Um, and still be super interesting. So I, I, I'm not discrediting like the games that I make, but if you want to have a little bit more strategy and you're like me and maybe you're like, oh, I can't get there, just ask ask for help along the way in any of those avenues that you don't feel strong in. Or just ask for ask the people what you need. Um, ask people close to you for their opinions or their thoughts. And um, that can be really helpful. And don't get discouraged if someone doesn't like it. It doesn't mean that you won't find the people that do like it, you know, keep trying, keep making things and just be true to yourself. I love all of that. Yeah, I would 100% agree with everything you just said. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Nah. But um, well, all right. Then for my last question, I'd like to know if you could be the designer of any game that you did not design, which game would it be? Well, I love everything cute, so it would have to be something cute because I'm still sort of like fantasizing about making like a a kids board game that's just silly and cute. Um, uh, so I know this is probably going to be like maybe not popular, but who cares? I mean, I wish that I could uh, have made Candyland something that's very, very cute. And I know it's not, I know it's not necessarily a game. You've got the cards and it's all set. And again, no strategy, right? But I think it's the simplistic nature of it that I played it as a kid, that I played it with my kid and I played it with all kinds of kids. And it's just the sweetest little entry into um, simple concepts with a little candy, you know, motif that always it just brings joy. So that would be my answer. 
Candyland. <laughs> hey, Candyland sells well. And I've also had someone on here that did Mousetrap. So it's not just you. <laughs> <laughs> I like cute stuff. What are you going to do? It's true. Exactly. I'm a big cute sucker for cute. <laughs> Hey, no problems there. Well, awesome. <laughs> um, and do you have anything that like fans should be looking out for? Um, funny enough, I had uh, an idea for a game when during the summertime, a, a game designer who is very well known posted something on their Facebook that had nothing to do with game design. And I got very excited because I immediately had an idea from what they posted. And I saw this person at PAX Unplugged and I was able to tell them that I came up with the game design and I told them about the post that they had made. And that post was on July 1st and that game is done already. <laughs> um, so I, I can't say much more than that right now. The art is being created right now uh, by a very famous artist that I'm so excited to be working with her. I'm just like over the moon. In fact, cute story, um, during PAX Unplugged, I told another one of my game designer friends, the artist that I had, and she screamed and like practically fell over in her chair. Not to oversell wow. it or anything, but like what? it was really <laughs> funny. And she, and I was like, what is happening? Why are you freaking out? And she was like, she's my dream person to work with and you took her. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, it was really cute. It was really funny. I was cracking up. It's a moment that will be in my brain forever because it was hilarious and I really I feel cute. like I want to make guesses on all these people's I know, names, I know. but I I'm not like, going to because I, I feel like, like you wouldn't be able to not say it if I was right. So I'm not going to guess. But I mean, I I feel like I didn't get their explicit permission to say their names, and You're so good. if and until I do that, then I will totally tell the story in a different way. But yeah, that's that's my story at the moment. So now I'm trying to decide if I want to do a Kickstarter in January and just like maybe at the end of January and just like run with it, or um, if I want to wait a little bit longer, or if I just want to self-publish and just not um, fund on Kickstarter. But it's, it is kind of fun and you know, another exhilarating thing to do, you know, to, you know, see the interest and, you know, build a little funds for the project. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing next. And, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and I'm super excited. I'm sorry. I can't tell more. It's very rude of me. I'm so sorry, but keep an eye on pink tiger games and I, you'll see it. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> no worries. You're not the only one who has to be like excited, but secret secret. I feel like that's a lot of people. <laughs> No, I know. Hey, it's good that you have <laughs> things to be excited about. So now everyone else has things to be excited about. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's all just so fun. Like I can't yeah. overstate it ever. It's just the funnest industry to be in. It was like, I know I already said I had my last question, but I'm actually going to lie because I had another one. Since you <laughs> are you. using, I know. Well, okay. So you're using Kickstarter, but you're using yeah. Kickstarter on a type of game that typically does not do well on Kickstarter. Oh, you are so, so right. how I know. does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Each of my Kickstarters, and I will be very candid, uh, has made a little bit less each time, but I'm still able to. I've still been able to build my whole business on them. Like, do you think you know me? Uh, I asked for 15,000 and I got like 
nearly 29 and then um, flatter me. I forget the exact numbers, um, but it was, you know, a little, it was less than, than the 29 and then forever rabbit. It was less than flatter me and for lost rewards, it was less than rabbit rabbit, but still, I'm just asking for enough at this point for the last two projects in particular for Rabbit Rabbit. That's not true. I was just going to say that I didn't ask for what I needed. That's not true. Rabbit Rabbit, I did ask for what I needed. And thank goodness I got it, which is awesome. But for Lost for Words, because I've built up the first three games, I was like, I'm not going to ask for a lot in 2022. I just don't feel like I should. Like, it didn't feel right. And I thought this niche game, like, I don't know if people will immediately understand it and you know until it's like out there in people's hands and then i'm you know i i know when i see people play it they'd get it and love it so yeah um my kickstarters aren't your million dollar situations they just aren't but what they do is they fund what i need them to fund and they are great for pre-sales and yeah and I have like, I have a special place in my heart for Kickstarter because, you know, my husband being, you know, worked with the founders. I've known the, I knew the founders of Kickstarter who are no longer, you know, a part of the company anymore, you know, since it was coming, coming up till it was just like, it was an idea, you know, and it's exploded. And now what Everett just said, Everett's the new CEO. He just said they've raised over $7 billion in all these years. And it, I, you know, with their ups and downs, I'm I'm one of those people who just has a special place in my heart for Kickstarter. So I'll I'll probably always go back. Okay. Hey, well, thank you for answering my actual last question then. <laughs> Are you sure? I can yes. keep talking. I can I talk am and so talk and sure. Talk. <laughs> no worries. No, this was fantastic. And uh, for everyone who listened to the episode, thank you for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unboxed. Inspiration to Publication, episode 55, Lost Forwards. And thanks again, Amy, for joining us. If anyone's trying to find you online and like your games and everything, where can they find you? PinkTigerGames.com and Pink Tiger Games everywhere. And my personal is Heart Shaped Sky. And I always post a little bit, you know, about personal life and a little bit of game life. So, but Pink Tiger Games is where you'll find all of the game stuff. And thank you so much for having me, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, of course. Yeah. And for anyone looking to find me on social media, you can just find me as Token Gamer, and that's G-A-Y-M-E-R on Instagram and Twitter. But yeah, please, thank you for being here and indulging my extra questions. Anytime. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time. <laughs>